back to Back of My Play. This week, Back of My Play is going to the movies. Something completely new and different, and we're trying it out with a fantastic movie, Flight of the Navigator. And the guest for this episode is George Dow. And George, I've talked to you like for like two, what fifteen years about watching this movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know how long ago it was now. A year, two years? I don't know. It's been a while. It, it, yeah, I think it, it, it must have come up on... Uh, it, it was either when we talked about Star Fox 64 or when we did um, <laughs> when we did like an episode of the FitCast or something like that, but uh, you, you saw it, and now we're going to talk about it. Finally. Finally. But this is, a, this is a little bit of a different format, and... Like I'll just be honest. Like it took a couple of weeks off. I like doing back in my playing seasons, just because, like the show is really best when I'm really into whatever we're talking about. Because it's not like a show that I'm just gonna do just to kind of spin the tires and stuff, but uh, or spin my wheels, whatever that saying is. But um, this is just gonna be us kind of testing out the format. And what I think I'm gonna plan on doing is if this is a success, is do this once a month and just do something a little bit different for for the podcast uh just to keep it fresh for myself keep it fresh for the guests and uh keep it fresh for for you the audience as well and maybe you just kind of skip this episode if you're like i don't want to hear about that movie just like you didn't want to hear about like streets of rage 2 or something like that so uh just gonna test this stuff out and we do have uh, I do have some ideas for future movies like, uh, again, another movie that, that I've been bugging uh, Georgia about is uh, The Rocketeer, which is another great 90s movie. Which I um, didn't see. Also a Disney movie, uh, oddly enough, as well. Um, and, well, that's you maybe you'll see that soon. Uh, also, uh, you know, there's just like lots of cool movies that this is totally selfish. Like from my childhood that like I, I watched a lot. It was the VHS tapes that got rented a bunch or watched a lot like hackers or, um, you know, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. And maybe, you know, just because this is a retro video game show primarily is also doing some, you know, video game based movies. Like there's some good ones like mortal Kombat. I do like, Street Fighter the movie. I think that is that that has some, you know, that has some reason to exist for the Jean Claude Van Damme lovers and it all of us. Some, it has some reason to exist. It's not right. horrible. Resident Evil was awesome. Yeah, hell yeah! I, like I Resident have, Evil was like a better movie than it was a game, and that's okay. a lot to say. It's a uh, great game. Uh, all right, all right. I mean, it's. I mean, yes. <laughs> not as okay. retro, but still, it was awesome. Not not as retro, but still the. Um, I, I do own all the Resident Evil movies on Blu-ray. It fits into that dumb action, just BS fun that I love out of movies and the, the medium. So there's there's lots of cool stuff. And maybe even like, I, I know it's been a running thing that I don't like anime, but like I tried to get into like Akira and was it like Ghost in the Shell, like these old, like old like these 80s and 90s like animes and stuff like so maybe there's a lot of ground to cover and there's just not going to be an unlimited amount of great retro video games to cover so that's what this is all about and um finally by the time that this comes out hopefully there's going to be a post up on backmyplay.com and fitcast.network where I'm talking about something new I'm doing for Patreons a game club where the first game is going to be Chrono Trigger uh so mm. we're going to be have you played that yeah, it was one of my favorite games. My really? favorite games. I've probably played at at one point it was my favorite game ever. No I way. I think that I played it eight times through. No, oh I might have to hit you up to talk about that down the road. <laughs> I um, love that game. Love well, that game. 
uh, this is my my problem with that is that I've like I've always started it and I'd get like you know five ten hours in and then I'd stop like I'd put it down and then I would forget like what time period do I need to go to and I just couldn't figure out because you just end up back in that end of time like select a time zone kind of thing and anyways the the info on that just briefly is like I want a way to without getting into it too much like. Patreon support is how I support this network because right. there's no advertising for back of my play and you know Retrofixes did uh, you know short stint which was awesome for them to do but this is how I support uh, the show and the time that I put into this stuff so um, for the Patreons I want to give back and the, the way that I'm going to give back is by uh, having some Patreon exclusive content where um, you know while these ex- like these longer games like primarily RPGs games that will take a little bit more time to prep for um, do some kind of like, you know, 0.5 episodes where I also get feedback from the audience. You're going to be able to play the game along with us and then submit your thoughts about it as we play through it via email or via MP3. So I can actually put that stuff in the show so you can kind of like be a participant, which is going to be really cool. And those episodes, um, I don't know if they're going to be exclusive for Patreons or just like the um, the actual interaction is going to be exclusive for Patreons. I'm trying to figure that stuff out to make it like fair for everyone, but that will be extra content. That's not going to be the main show. It's just going to be extra stuff for for them because I think, you know, they, they, they help me out. I want to give something back uh, to them as well. So hopefully that will also get people, you know, give them an excuse to support the show uh, I hope as well going down the road. So, yeah, which I don't think that people really understand how important that is with right. our society with everything being free because people can get almost everything for free. It's hard then, you know, I'll spend $7 on a coffee yeah. without a, even a, a second thought, but to put a couple of dollars towards a Patreon to help support something that I enjoy watching, it mm-hmm. makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. It's very little to um, have just to be able to support great content so that you can continue doing what you do best. Absolutely. And I think as someone that has tried to make this a little bit more of a business, which obviously that's like a secondary thing. Like the reason I do this stuff is because it's an absolute blast to do. But, you know, I have like a career outside of this, like multiple things that I do for jobs. So um, to kind of fit in the time to do this stuff, it does, you know, help to have that support so I can actually, you know, make this a business that is functioning and that actually makes sense to do instead of going outside and going for a long bike ride. I spend some time inside. I do some quote unquote work and get this stuff together for you guys. So you can get a show magically downloaded to your phone or whatever you use to, to watch this stuff or listen to this stuff. So yeah, yeah. Kevin thank needs you. to eat. He needs to eat. I, I do. He does I all this get, work. He needs food. I do. It costs money. Food, food costs time. money. <laughs> well, I, I've realized, support. <laughs> you know, supporting 400 back episodes of the fit cast costs some money. Like those, those, those. This does not happen with magic folks. Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I appreciate all that. And hopefully you guys understand where I'm coming from because I know like I never want to have a negative association where like, all right, well now that now you're asking me to pay for something that I've always gotten for free. No, like you're still going to get that stuff for free. And if you, if you don't want to, you never have to support me and say, you know, you can have like a, you know, shake your fist and be like, I will never pay for back of my play. Or I'm not asking you to do that. Just like, you know, if you can support the show and if you think it's worth supporting, I want to also give you guys a little bit extra for helping me make this happen. So thank you. I, I probably none of your people are fist shakers. I'm just saying I probably none of them are. I don't think so. I've, I've heard only raving reviews from everyone that I've spoken to that, that listens. So 
I, I <laughs> doubt that you have many of those. I, I will say, for quick last aside, metrics wise, the the support for this show is percentage wise like almost it's like five or six times as much as the fit cast, which you know shows really? that people really people love the show, really really love the show, and I really really appreciate. Uh, all the love that you get back in terms of the Patreon or, or PayPal support as well. If you don't want to go through Patreon, you can do it through PayPal and I can hook you up with the same setup as well. So not a, not a big deal. All right. Um, so I don't know what we're doing for music for this. So I'm just going to like go right into this and I might cut it up and I'll figure that out afterwards. So maybe you won't even hear me say this, but you might. So uh, the way that we're going to set this up is is kind of like how we do back in my play. But, you know, starting with a little bit of history of the, uh, of the movie itself. But um, th- this is going to be a little bit different because I think it would just be cool to have just a grand discussion of the movie instead of like talking about the memories of the movie and then talk about how it holds up today. Just kind of have, you know, discussion of it. But uh, just some brief history stuff. Uh, the movie did come out, and this is like competing. Some people are saying July 30th. Some people are saying August 1st. But it was about that weekend in 1986 uh, that the movie was released in the United States. And this movie was directed by Randall uh, Kleiser, who didn't really direct uh, a ton of stuff, didn't do a ton of movies, had some some big hits like uh, Grease, the film ad- adaptation of Grease, uh, this movie, uh, Big Top Pee-wee, which I guess was not the better of the Pee-wee movies, um, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, the sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and also he put together the short for Honey, I Shrunk the Audience at uh, Epcot, which I believe is not even there anymore. I believe that was replaced by something else. So uh, then he kind of just fell off some kind of bad movies, some TV movies, and that was really about it. Uh, in terms of the the score itself, Alan Silvestri, uh, who is an incredible composer, uh, not only did like the soundtracks for uh, the fantastic Back to the Future uh, franchise, but it's just been working consistently since the early 80s on some of the best film soundtracks of all time, including things like Predator, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, The Abyss, like I mentioned, Back to the Future, um, Young Guns too, uh, you know, just fantastic movies across the board, and still working all the way up to uh, today uh, as well with just uh, movies like The Avengers, uh, Night at the Museum, like still working on huge, gigantic releases, just putting together epic soundtracks, and worked a lot with uh, Robert Zemeckis. Pretty much every Robert Zemeckis film, uh, the director of Back to the Future, um, he has done his soundtracks as well. So. Good soundtracks. Yeah, good soundtracks, man. Oh, my God. Like, those are the things that you're going to want to own. Um, and I think it's worth, you know, shouting out uh, Michael Burton and Matt uh, McManus did the screenplay for this movie because I think it's a very unique screenplay. Uh, the budget was $9 million back in 1986 money, or I guess 1985 money, and had a box office total of $18.5 million. So the cast of this movie was uh, very much an 80s cast. Like it had like <laughs> the the heavy hitters of the 80s, including, um, I'll start with the main character, like uh, David Freeman, uh, Joey Kramer, who did this movie, a couple other movies, but has unfortunately been in the news recently for just getting in lots of trouble. Um, I think we were connected on Twitter about this. Uh, last year, or maybe, no, it was earlier this year, Georgia, uh, where he was arrested uh, by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police on May 1st of this year. You have to do something really wrong. Please. <laughs> I'm just saying, no. Is that like your, is that like the SWAT force of Canada? Not really. They're, they're more, um, 
that the, they don't usually ride horses there, but they are. They're like oh. our, our they, they do ride horses. They don't ride horses all the time. They do have their own horses. They do ride them more for show. They're not running down the streets, riding their horses and arresting people, uh. though they do sometimes. It actually doesn't happen, but right. you're all lucky right. if you see it. But yeah, they're like our, our special police force. Well, he, um, I mean, unfortunately, he got busted uh, at a bank robbery. Uh, they only found him a couple days later, though. So at least he got away initially, but then they caught up to him. And uh, <laughs> I love yeah. that you're like, at least he got away initially. I know whose side you're on now. He did. Well, I mean, the guy <laughs> was obviously like, hurting. On. He must need it. Those, those, have it. those residuals are not coming in from Flight of the Navigator because <laughs> that hasn't seen a Blu-ray release here in the United States. You can get a copy of it on Blu-ray internationally, but still in the United States or North America, you can only get it on that gross 480p dvd uh you know version of that but he was of course our, our main character uh paul rubens was P, better known as Wee herman uh was the voice of max the the actual ai of the ship um cliff de young uh was in uh, tons of tons of 80 movies and in tv shows uh was the father same thing veronica cartwright a fantastic actress who was in a ton of things in the 80s and early 90s. And uh, the very young Sarah Jessica Parker was the wonderful Carolyn McAdams with her purple hair because she had gone to a Twisted Sister concert. And uh, Howard uh, Hesserman, uh, Dr. Lewis Faraday, who uh, you will probably, and this is how I knew him at least, was uh, I th- was the head of the class. That was, yes. he was the teacher in okay. Yes, <laughs> he was the he was the teacher in uh, head of the class and uh, also was in Police Academy Two, which is probably the other way that I knew him from the fantastic Police Academy Two. So, um, just a, a really great, well-rounded cast with a great script, great music, and uh, it was a really good setup to this this movie that I think goes really. Uh, no pun intended, like under the radar uh, when it comes to great, awesome 80s sci-fi movies. So, um, Georgia, like I said, you you haven't seen this movie before until uh, I guess it was a couple months ago that you finally tracked it down. Was it was it on iTunes? Is that how you found it? I'm not sure. I have no clue. <laughs> how I, <laughs> I told my husband that to see this movie. And he had to figure out how to, and then he just, yeah, that's that was it. So I'm not sure. I don't know if it was Netflix or something. I have no clue how he found the movie. I'm not sure. Well, uh, at least I can confirm <laughs> for you guys. Um, if you do want to pick it up, it is available on Netflix for the the low low price of a four dollar HD rental. So they somehow uh, they might have like the HD rip of that Blu-ray release that was internationally, but you know that's how it is. Some movies are actually yeah, they available. Yeah, how I did it. Right. Um, and that's, that's a good way to pick it up. It's nice and convenient and you can get access to it right uh, right away. But um, it's not a hard movie to find on the digital services. also available on Amazon. I think this is kind of important stuff to talk about for a weird movie like this just because it might be hard to, for you to find. Um, but, you know, you can, you can pick it up. And if you do want to, maybe if you haven't seen this movie already, you might want to just pause and, and watch it. Uh, right now, then come back to hear our discussion if you don't want to get any kind of spoilers or anything like that. But um, so, so Georgia, this movie opens, and 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 maybe I should like tee this up because I talked uh, like I talked this movie up quite a bit um, because I think it's one of the most I think it is one of the most emotional time travel stories. 
told on film. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. They, it actually went through the, the true, like the costs of this. And I, I guess you. that's kind of working to the end, but it actually goes through the cost and it didn't do it for a movie that's for aimed for children. Yeah. It, it went through a real emotional tale of what would it be like to, to go back in time. And you would think that once, um, again, spoilers. So, but once he finds his family, that would be it and he'd be happy and everything would be mm-hmm. good. But the huge cost to losing a period of time in your life when everyone has gotten older and you're still this child and how everything has changed, how horrible that would be. And I loved that they actually showed that cost because usually they yeah, don't. Exactly. Like you, you don't even, well, let's, um, let me, let me do a better job as a host and I'm going to tee this up a little bit because you, you open up, the, the movie opens up on July 4th, 1978. So you have like a cool like event that he knows on the back of his head. So he knows what the date is and things like that. It's not some random date and he's out in, in Florida and he's playing, he's trying to teach his dog Bruiser, which is a really weird name for a dog, but his dog Bruiser to uh, play Frisbee because he's at this very 80s, I guess, or 70s and 80s thing of a uh, dog frisbee competition. and uh, Which I love. That's yeah. just great. Uh, how are you not like <laughs> in a great mood watching this movie where you just see some dogs like fly in the air and sometimes miss the frisbee you know, too? The, the, fir- <laughs> the first thing that, that I loved about it was watching, seeing all these kids outside and they're just playing mm-hmm. and they're alone. Remember that? They're allowed to play and explore <laughs> and get into trouble and they're all in little packs. And I'm like, ah. Oh, Yes, this is the time when kids were given, you know, their own independence, mm-hmm. you know, like the pendulum has swung too far. And I was like, oh, I love that. I love the kids just outside doing their thing. No one's upset. No one's calling protective services on the parents that let their kids go outside and play. Mm-hmm. Love it. And they do a great job, like establishing a couple things like you, you establish, you know, first his, his little brother, his little, God, I, I don't hope I wasn't like this as a kid, but his little brother, Jeff, who's, who's eight year olds where David is 12 years old. So he's got a little bit of a, a big brother role to start. Um, but you know, you can, and you also mentioned like kids playing outside also, just a shit ton of fireworks like of like literally he had enough explosives in his bedroom to just like do horrible horrible terrible like to blow up the house so yes um, that is true <laughs> kids were allowed to play with things light things on fire yeah, they were yeah. allowed to do that that wasn't even something that i love that i didn't even notice the fireworks oh my god and, and they <laughs> the best part is like like later in the film like they hold on to him for eight years like they just pack up his fireworks as after he disappears but anyway sorry um so <laughs> we we establish we establish the family dynamic where he's the older brother his little brother's a little bit of a butthead and he and he teases him and you know it's a great little you know florida family that is all getting along and uh Eventually, he uh, they they get back to the house, and you know he has to go pick up his little brother Jeff, who's over at his friend's house, and he has to walk through the woods with a dog, and um, you know he does the the little crazy thing of like, oh man, like it's I'm gonna be really tough because it's uh you know dark outside, even though it's not really that dark, and I'm gonna make sure I am like very, very manly as a 12-year-old and don't get scared. And then his brother jumps out uh, of a tree and, and scares the crap out of him and, and runs away. And this is where we finally get set up for, you know, to, to, to go on this ride where um, the dog starts barking and he's going to check out what the dog is barking at. And it eventually finds out 
uh, that knows like this this slope. So he looks down this slope, and then he ends up falling down into it. And then we get a quick cut, um, just to say like you know something happened. We don't know really what happened, but there's a quick cut, and then he goes and and walks home, Georgia. Yeah. Just yeah. just go go walk home. Just walks home, but things uh, are not they're not as they had no. been, right? Well, let me let me pause for for a second. Have you ever had dreams like this? And this is like a weird question to ask, but like a dream, like you you kind of have gone through time travel stuff, and then you have you found that things aren't the way they should be. I've never had a time travel dream ever. Whoa. I don't think I don't think I've ever had a time travel dream, which is so strange. I'm trying to think of like I've had dreams where where like you know. I was there and people were older. But it wasn't a time travel dream. It was just I got to see a glimpse of the future or mm-hmm. something like that. But it wasn't a time travel dream where I was like, oh, my God, everything's changed, which is really interesting because I do have definitely patterns of types of dreams. But I've ne- have you had a time travel dream? I, I don't know if it's because of this movie, but um, – and this is like jumping uh, ahead a little bit. But I, I had recurring dreams of uh, – this exact storyline, um, not not like becoming a navigator, but somehow getting shot into the future and not having aged and like lost a bunch of years with, uh, it was mostly like my dad, uh, which was which was weird. Where I would like be with a future version of my dad, but then eventually, uh, like I would be really sad because I lost all these years, mm-hmm. and like that's not my dad. Like that's my future dad. Like that's not the person right. that i know like i want to get back to you know the the original time that i should be in and like this is maybe a little personal but like i would like sometimes as a kid i would wake up in tears because i'd be really sad that also like i'd have, like leave that future dad right it's the right. same it's the same reason right. this movie makes me emotional today yeah yeah um, i think that, that that underlying theme though which it seems to be the same theme in your dream of how time is so precious and we don't really appreciate it when we're there. Totally. Is yeah. is so important in saying to like enjoy it. I think that also like, you know, a lot of people when they're like, you know, 11 and 12, they're so in such a rush to grow up mm-hmm. and to to reach, you know, another year and to pat and that we should really just appreciate every moment that we have because it goes by so quickly and you kind of can't go b- back to it. And so I think that that's also a really important theme for a movie, you know, given to children, that that's like such an important theme of what is important in life, really. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's tough to, um, like, they, like they, I think, I mean, I'm not like a really good movie critic, but I think they did a really good job, you know, stressing that because even David himself gets, you know, really uh, emotional because it's like almost a... It's like having a doppelganger family. Um, yeah. But uh, again, I apologize. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, so I'll set up the stage a little bit better. So, um, you know, as you said, like he he returns home and there's a old family or uh, you know an old older couple living in the house, and he doesn't know what exactly is going on until they call the cops, and you know, eventually, like you see the pieces coming together where uh, one of the female officers shows uh, the male officer like. There, here's this missing poster from, or I guess this uh, like APB or whatever from eight years ago where 
this boy was missing with, you know, uh, a blue shirt, you know, jeans or like a blue and red striped uh, polo shirt, red uh, jeans and like white shoes. And he matches this description perfectly. And like, this is impossible. So they bring him and uh, bring him in a, you know, cop car and, and takes him to uh, some like random house. And they, and which I thought it was weird. They didn't even like just call the parents. They couldn't have just like called them. But I guess yeah. it was 1986. They might have not had that. And also, like I, I thought, like watching this again yesterday because I've watched this a bunch of times. But this is the first time I really thought about it. He's in a police. He's in a police station with a bunch of like, like new technology, right? Like a bunch of like 1986 computers, not 1978 like Apple Twos. Like th- that, maybe that should have been a sign to just see the technology around him a little bit. But, um, anyways, he, he makes it home and then he gets to see this uh, completely different family that freaks him out to the point where he passes out. Yeah, which is probably a, the proper response to that. A little bit overwhelming. A little bit overwhelming. Do you um do you, like is is that something that uh, you know as as your role as a, <laughs> as a psychotherapist like is is that something like our minds can just like it gets to the point where we just cannot take this like we just like and, and this is going to be weird with like VR starting to make even more leaps and bounds but we get to the point where we just like none of this makes sense like this does not compute whatsoever so it just like shuts down. Mm-hmm. It's it can. Our That's brains- nuts. Our brains can do that. We can go into shock where um, you're there, but you're just not your 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 brain has stopped so that you don't go through an information overload. It's there to protect the system, and so that can happen in many different ways and in shapes. The same thing with fainting. People can faint from happiness and from shock and from fear. Um, we can just stop remembering things so you can go through a period where you don't remember something because it was so traumatic our brains just said okay we're not going to go through this and so yeah it makes perfect sense that this could have happened especially something that would be so extreme Mm. uh it's a weird concept to try to understand if it's not happened to yourself i guess like i just don't even know what what that experience would be like whatsoever it's it's very odd to think about um but anyways at the same time as he returns home also and this is when NASA used to have a budget. Uh, NASA security mm-hmm. found a a floating object that seemed to have gotten wrapped up into some power lines, which caused it to, uh, I guess, shut down. But it was still floating and uh, floating off the ground with some kind of anti-gravity drive to the point where you can kind of just push it a little bit and you can move this massive object uh, without pushing it. So that's where Dr. Faraday comes in. He takes this new this this object uh back into nasa which you know conveniently also is located in florida to do some tests to see what is is going on and the links are made between david and this machine once david is taken to the hospital and he gets hooked up to a bunch of machines and then his mind starts controlling the computers making a dot matrix uh graphical uh readout of this ship and somehow that gets connected to uh nasa as as well um dr faraday's an asshole huh (laughs) he's not the friendliest of people (laughs) this poor child's gone through all of this and he's just really excited about all the information that's in his head though i have to say like when when they're going through the printouts it was a very exciting feel to say what what's actually happening what's the connection so cool 
And I thought that that was also a really neat way to tie pieces together where you have this. I, I love stories where you have this puzzle that you're not really sure about mm-hmm. and you get fed little tiny bits of what's actually happening here. Yeah, and they, they give it to you like, and it, it, it was just very interesting. And it's something that is, it's somewhat believable because, you know, they, like they bring it up. And I know this is like something that is a bunch of kind of crap now, but, you know, the, the humans only use 10% of their, the, the power of their actual brain. So, like, there's so much capacity for, uh, you know, phenomenal potential there. Um, so, yeah, maybe it is possible that he could start controlling the computers with his brain without knowing it and starts, you know, throwing out, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, readouts and stuff like that. But um, so we... So, that. yeah, but, that, Yo, but that's completely untrue. You're absolutely right. <laughs> that isn't true. We actually use our brain. We use all of it. <laughs> um, Thank God. <laughs> which is good news, I guess. But they could, it could be that just from you know, what happened to him that he has these memories placed into his brain mm-hmm. where he's learned or, we, you know, at some point we'll have chips and we'll be able to remember things and we'll have little neural nets that will be ha- Have you seen Johnny in. Mnemonic? No. Okay, so I'm writing down this. I'm writing <laughs> down Johnny so. Mnemonic. Man, just, that, the, that, the that, list is growing. That is, yeah, that is an absolute uh, must-see and it kind of fits the exact description because... Uh, Keanu Reeves, he can carry around 500 gigs in his head. Or maybe it's 50 gigs. I can't remember. It sounded like a lot back in 1993 or whenever it, that movie came out. That um, well, could have been like, you know, bites. Been like, oh, I, I can't. Oh. I, think it was, I think it was gigs because you, they, they said it? gigs That's a lot. Nice. Yeah. Um, so so anyways, they, th- we have this connection between the, the doctor and the kid now. So obviously the doctor's like, we got to get this kid because there's a connection between him and this object. He literally yeah. this, you know, drew it out. This is a really good reason why they're like, we're going to watch over him. We're not going to let him go. We're going to, yeah. you know, he might be able to do, know something about this machine that we didn't know any, anywhere. So that, that puts that, that way of Faraday being able to say, okay, well, we're just not going to let him like leave we're going to keep him so that we can watch him and find out what this is because this is really important for only 48 hours and this is like this is like a theme in 80s movies too of like that that not like that mean doctor but that like selfish doctor that does not really care about the subject they just want answers and this guy is someone that you know maybe if you think about it a little bit more rationally like yeah, maybe you do need to keep David. We need to know what's going on with this kid and with this object. Like, it's just like a kid. Like, yeah, he's going to go through some crap for a week. He's going to have to hang out with Sarah Jessica Parker, which is a bummer. But he's going to eventually get to probably go home and, you know, not dissect it. Like, they can't do that. But, you know, it's the 1980s government. They could do anything. Right. It's right. like Stranger Things, right. which I hope you've checked out. Oh, oh yes. I've seen Stranger Things. Perfect. Absolutely phenomenal. Love Stranger Things. Um, did what were you shocked to see Sarah Jessica Parker in this movie? I was, I was so shocked, and to see such a young Sarah Jessica Parker, I love her character. She yeah. was so cute in the the film. It was the perfect, you know, friendly girl, smart, knows stuff, and she's there, and she's going to be that that she's connection. Like flirting of, like, with him a little bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. It's first crush. I totally get it. Yeah, I mean it's it's easy to uh easy to do that. But yeah, I, I realized when I was like I was like, maybe is this is this like her, her very first movie? But she actually did. She was in 
uh, Footloose before this. She was in, she was in a couple other things before uh, Fly to the Navigator. So it was not her jumping off point, but maybe this was the role that really rose her to the next level and got her seen by uh, her then future husband, um, Matthew Broderick. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, I haven't gone that deep into the research for this one, guys. Um, but <laughs> so, so he, he eventually gets in and he gets like cool digs. He gets like a sweet NASA hat and he gets the, the, you know, the one way mirror. So he gets to be watched by two, you know, creepy dudes that are hanging out and, and eating burgers. She's King. done a ton of movies, by the way. She has been in a million Everything. thousand yeah. movies from when she was really, really young, like really? 1974. Like she Holy must have been crap. a baby. So, yeah. Yeah, sorry. She is. Uh, I mean, she's not that old. Wow. Now, yeah, I guess she was. She must have been a kid. You know, get them started young. I guess uh, be successful. So, anyways, um, this is this is when the cool. This is I like. This is one of my favorite themes of time travel movies. Is when like that person out of time now gets slapped in the face with like this is what's different for him. It was seeing uh, music videos. It was seeing that. Starsky and Hutch has been canceled. Like <laughs> these were earth shattering things for this guy. And also just a quick reminder. Wow. Like eighties move music was like most of it's bad, right? Well, most of it's like over synth, which like you, like then it was like, you think that it's bad, but now it's so bad that it's good. And I like, it brings you back to that like period Devo, of time. Like Devo or what, what was that? Was that like, uh, talking heads that was on the music video yes okay so like just weird 80s music that just like i don't know if you can really go back to as much as you could like the ghostbusters 2 soundtrack but like that there was just a lot of stuff that does not hold up super well from 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 the 80s special time they were a special time like you can't really reproduce the 80s there's something special about them do you, do you want to like you? I know you got really um, excited about uh, what was that uh, BB-8 from from the new Star Wars. Do you yes. want a Ralph? Yes, <laughs> I was thinking. You know, I've ever you since totally I was a child, I was like, I really want. Oh yeah, yeah. I I want my own little friend. I <laughs> I was like alone. I needed like I was like ah, oh, that would be so amazing. A Ralph that could like sneak you out of school just because no, it's just delivering just some mail. A robot friend that I could like talk to and like bring me stuff. I actually there was like a I always wanted this little robot that you had to pre-program. It was it was just like a remote control car, really. But I thought it was my robot, and I always wanted that. And I thought, you know what? It has taken way too long for us to get you know robots that we can really program and have in our homes. I'm still waiting. Have you? Um, do you remember the name of that? No, I don't. I'm gonna look it up. It was, it was absolutely. I wanted it so bad. Have you have you seen Humans on uh, AMC? Yes, I have seen Humans on AMC. Okay, good. You're on top of good TV I've show got, today. I have right. good good TV shows. I'm pretty good with um, not all movies. Unfortunately. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. It's you know it's a different medium, and some. I, to be honest, I like the long form a little bit more than the short form these days. You get an opportunity to tell a much more fleshed out story. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll give you a second to, to check out, see if we can find that. Um, but, you know, he gets to meet Caroline uh, McAdams and he gets to see Ralph. So you get to set those characters and those objects up for a future uh, payoff. And um, then the uh, 
also it was like cool like to show differences between time like it flashes back to the family and the family's like still stressing out and you can see um outside you can see his little brother jeff playing frisbee with bruiser he actually went and taught bruiser how to play frisbee while david was gone i Uh, have the robot it was tommy the robot all right (laughs) and uh Tommy Omnibot Robot. There we go. That was him. Oh, I've seen that before. Yeah. Yeah, I really wanted him. I have Rob the Robot now, the Atari one, but it's he's a pale comparison. Yeah, yeah. Rob can only do so much like play stack up and uh, just stare at you. <laughs> He'd uh, stare at you. Yes, exactly. That's right. what he does. <laughs> he holds my BB-8. That's what he does. We get we get some really cool sci-fi stuff uh, as the uh, Doctor Faraday starts, and, and, and Faraday is a name that is just like the bullet. It's like the name for scientists in TV shows and movies. That you, it's your go-to if you're like, I don't want to spend any time thinking up a cool name for this doctor or this scientist. Just Faraday, like it worked in Lost, it worked in this, and of course we can always just go back to the Faraday cage. Uh, it was uh, you know a great callback whenever you're talking about scientists. Um, but we get to discover that uh, David is actually able to provide answers as he is hooked up to these Atari and Commodore computers. Um, he starts uh, talking to it in, uh, I think they're t- like talking to it in binary code or something like that. And we get to learn exactly where he has been. We learn that he has all this information this extra information in his brain. We learn, or they put the dots together that, you know, clearly he must have been traveling at the speed of light because of, uh, due to light speed theory, how much uh, he did not age while everyone else did age. Because as you approach the speed of light, you know, time for you slows down while it goes at the same rate for everyone else back uh, at Earth. So we still need to figure that out and think of more of a subspace drive once we get to that kind of space travel. But um, we, we get all this this cool info i don't know i just really like that stuff because that's just like cool sci-fi like and it's taking place in current day so it just like adds to more possibilities and suspension of disbelief and stuff mm-hmm. yeah um, sorry uh this is this is more like info dump type stuff but uh as we we get to you know further in the movie this is where the the ship starts talking to david telepathically uh, starts calling out to David, asking, um, you know, asking for him to 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 come back to the ship. He needs David, um, and then we get introduced to to Max. And this is where you would get really frightened. You hear the yeah. voices in your head saying, "Do something." He's already gone through something so traumatic, but he still says, "Okay, I better do this." When you hear voices in your head, like your general advice as a professional is to just do it, right? Not always. Like we talk, <laughs> we talk to ourselves all the time. So sometimes you're like, I should really do this. And then you're like, no, I shouldn't. And so we discuss that. But having a voice that is not your head inside of your head is where you're like, Ugh. you have know. a bit of a vetting process before right. you start you should, following you through. You should re-question this before you just do what you've heard. Make some sort of, you know, make four quadrants and do a, a pros and cons list of what will happen <laughs> right, if right, I follow right. through a with danger this. danger evaluation. Yeah, for sure. But he can't help it. Like, that ship is calling back to him to the point where he jumps inside of Ralph and, uh, you know, Max is able to control all the computers on the uh, on the base. So he's able to set it up so Ralph takes him 
back to the ship and we get to discover that wow this ship is some kind of like liquid pre t2 metal where very cool it's super super very, cool very cool ship. um and the the thing can actually like open up and have these steps like come down and then we get to uh like i said we get introduced to to max voiced by uh but even going Herman. onto the ship didn't you think don't go on the ship like how are you gonna like go get well, back like i just thought when the ship stores cl- like i'm like oh how am i gonna get back on i don't know well this is coming at the same time where you know he's you know whispering at the other scientists dr faraday we're gonna need this kid for more than 48 hours like they're about to do some that dark, is true that is dark true. 80s government stuff and you know, what does he have have to lose like his cool. life I don't know. Let me think. Well, I mean, at, at this point, <laughs> at this point, his life is quite messed up. Like he's been ripped, ripped out of time, and that is he is, true. he's forced to be, you know, in a setup where, and this comes, you know, more towards the end where, you know, he's probably going to be studied for the rest of his life because he has all this information in his head that the government really wants. wants. That's true. That's a good point. Plus, he's twelve, and the frontal lobes are not developed yet, so consequences to actions. Not really there. Vis-a-vis, he must get on this ship and uh, have just the time of his life as he uh, gets to, to finally find out what's going on and meet this this AI, again, voiced by um, Paul Rubens, uh, better known as, as uh, Pee-wee Herman. But um, this was pre-Pee-wee Herman, I believe. Uh, they filmed this before Pee-wee Herman was, was a thing, but... Um, we get to find out that this this AI is is very much very uh, literal. Um, it does not have necessarily a personality until he spends some more time with David and develops that. Um, primarily, we learn that he needs David to get these star charts out of his head because he had lost his star charts when he ran into the power lines while looking at daisies. <laughs> which is so cute, which is so cute. Max is so adorable, but I he had is, a he's pretty really, cool. he's very cute. Like he's very cute. I love the way that he talks to him. I love the interactions between them, but I could not get, separate him from Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Yeah. I really had a hard time for that because Especially I'm the like, laugh. yeah, it yeah. was Pee Wee Herman's laugh. And this was before Pee Wee Herman. Was it? Do, yeah, do it, it looks like it was. It, it was right around the same time. So he might have been like developing that character and just kind of carried it over for this movie, um, right. because they they probably could have just you know fit, did all the voice work after you know they filmed everything. So you know the the actor uh, who plays David was probably just like talking to some guy off screen, um, and I, who knows? Who knows? This my DVD did not include any kind of behind the scenes making of or commentary it included stereo audio english spanish subtitles and french <laughs> subtitles that was it <laughs> so i i could i could not uh, check any of that stuff out but so it was actually right after peewee's big adventure so oh, okay yeah so because that was in 85 probably had that me- character i could not separate it it was too much peewee herman for me and so it was hard for me to connect and and I loved Max and everything about mm. him, but because it was so much Pee Wee Herman, and I it was a really tough time to find the same connection that I would have had had it been around the same time as Pee Wee Herman, because then it you know the character was not so ingrained into the culture of who they were and watching the show and everything else, and so because of that, that was difficult for me, and it's like really 
was it really um it hurt your enjoyment it did do you find well? I mean, we we live in a world today where where Pee Wee is kind of making. No, he did have he had a movie that came out on on Netflix, but he's kind of making a comeback after a couple of years of bad like creepy press. Yeah, yeah, he got he got some creepy press. I think that people were unnecessarily harsh. What he does in his private time is kind of his business, and you know he's a he's a good actor. He's done a whole bunch of different movies to try to separate himself from Pee Wee Herman. You get a mm-hmm. character that's so iconic it's difficult to be able to separate from them. But it was that it was not that it was the actor it did not bother me that it was Paul Rubens that was playing this role. It was that it was Pee Wee Herman that was Max. Mm. And that's what separated it from me. Because every time I heard the voice, I thought about Pee Wee Herman. I didn't think about Max. And so that caused that disjoint. I got you. Because I, I, it was, it was like, like if you ever had like your favorite actor on a series and you hear them on a cartoon and you're like, wait a second, no, that's like, I remember running downstairs when I was a child mm-hmm. hearing um, Garfield, but no, it was Ghostbusters. It was just the same voice actor. That <laughs> oh, that's right. For both of them, which I was like, oh, you know, that's, that, that's is the wrong show. But mm-hmm. because it's Pee Wee Herman and that laugh is iconic. I'm like, no, I can't believe that you're Max, you're Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> I, I, I I totally feel you there. That that, that makes total sense to me now. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it's it it is it is weird. Like he's definitely playing off that character a little bit for for this this movie, and um, you know, again, he he's not really like that until he downloads the those maps from David, and he kind of like picks up a little bit of a you know twelve year old's personality. Uh, along with it, with some sarcasm, with some, with some humor in it, which is so cute. Totally, yeah. yeah which was cute and adorable, but Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> but Pee Wee Herman. So he, yeah. he, they, they, they make this deal. It's like, all right, well, I just need those star charts. David wants to go home, so he trades those star charts, and Max promises to, to take him home. But the problem is, like, they don't know. Where how to get back to uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida? So um, they go on, which is a, a fantastic thing that happens in uh, you know all eighties movies and still today nineties movies today to a certain extent. The great you know montage with music background, and I love this in uh, road. Tr- this is basically like at this point, it's a road trip. Um, yes, where, where they take a road trip that starts off in Tokyo. Uh, and because some, they just kind of like go straight up and then they kind of just go and they, they find Tokyo and he's like, Max, you're not going the right way. We're in Tokyo. If we just go East, we'll eventually get to, to Florida because this is why it's important geography, super important. Like you got to know where those, those continents and <laughs> those do. countries you are need to know where you're going just in case you are ever in a spaceship that cannot uh, get access to Google maps or, you know, Apple maps, whatever you're using. Sometimes um, they're wrong. Sometimes they are wrong. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, you need to know. That, that's always a struggle. That's why you always want to have more than one map application on your phone folks. Um, but so they, they they take this road trip that starts off in Tokyo and they start heading uh, and Max east. Has been, and Max has been traveling across the galaxy collecting biological specimens. Oh, too, good point which to bring up. Which is also yeah. really important to know because one of my favorite characters, as Max, oh, yes. as, as David's exploring the ship um, of all of these, which are so cute. Like you can tell that they're puppets, which I love because I've, I'm so done with CGI everything. <laughs> um, I 
loved it. The little plant guy. And I'm like, you can tell it's like a little glove, but it's so cute. And and the little creature, which I loved, the little, I forget what his little, name little was. The little like, guy that hangs out on his finger. Little guy. He's so cute. <laughs> so cute. And so, and the cows when, you know, Max, like, so he's, he's, you, you also understand a little bit about what Max has been doing. Yeah. No, that's, that, yeah, you're, you're totally right. That's super important to bring up because that's his whole motivation for being on earth in the first place is going and, you know, getting a, a specimen from a bunch of these different worlds. And then, right. you know, he needs running, a cow. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you got you got to run a bunch of tests on these things. And then the idea is to, bring them back to the almost the exact moment that you pick them up so it's like they never left but the problem with with david is due to the human physiology uh he believed it to be too dangerous to go back in time because his body might turn to mush um which uh hopefully will not happen as we get towards uh the end of the movie so yeah that's super important thing to bring up because he's just kind of like cataloging stuff like he's just yeah. on a mission to catalog throughout the galaxy or throughout the universe and then bring that information uh back home back um to back to phalon another great good it's thing great to bring name. up <laughs> it is and it's um phalon yeah it's just it just works um yeah. the uh that that road trip uh, continues from from Tokyo, and then we get to San Francisco, which um, haven't heard of this in a long time. But they bring up uh, the Rice Aroni jingle uh, as the San Francisco treat. Do, do, does Rice Aroni still exist? I don't. I I would you, think it made, must. Have you made Rice Aroni for for dinner or for lunch lately? Uh, no, I don't think that. I, I think I don't think I've had Rice Aroni. Probably since the eighties. <laughs> I eat. We ate so much of that Did you? when I was a kid. Like, oh yeah, like that was at least a once or twice a week thing because it made it made rice a special event. <laughs> like it was, <laughs> it, it was no longer just like Are white rice. Are we being rice. sponsored by Rice Aroni? Well, I mean, I'm not we saying we're sponsored be. by them, but if you want to pick up a six pack of Rice Aroni Spanish rice via Amazon, you can get it for uh, just ten dollars. Like that is practically wow. zero dollars, and then you can spice up, you know, dinner for you and your family, and make it an event. Hmm. Um, oh, you know what's funny? As they put on like this, oh wow, this stuff isn't very good for you. Oh no. I'm like, yeah, you know, they have, have to, to put nutrition facts. Oh, geez. But it, I mean, don't worry about it. It cooks in just 15 minutes. All you get to do is add water and you're good um, and heat that stuff up. So we get, we it's get by right. Pepsi company. Hmm. Oh, they own, yeah, they own everything. Um, every, everything's owned by Pepsi, Coke, Walmart, or Amazon or right. Google. Um, right. I mean, Apple should just buy Pepsi. Wouldn't that be fun just to like, you know, since of all the damage that guy from Pepsi did to Apple? let's <laughs> payback scully god um sorry guys i'm going off the rails a little bit um anyways the um we we eventually go from from uh you know tokyo to again san francisco we start heading east we go and, and there's that... all these reports of like ufo reports yeah because they're just <laughs> flying low they're just like they're going <laughs> they on the highway they don't care about yeah exactly they don't care about being seen or not seen <laughs> no well they need the signage like they don't they they don't have any way to do it you think if you just flew straight up like you could just look at the continent of the United States and then you could just point at the little, you know, the little, you know, like the thing at the bottom of the United States and be like, that's Florida. Yeah. Florida's there- pretty noticeable. Yeah. But this isn't like a good 
like it's way better to tell the story this way as they get to, you know, travel across and they start stop at, you know, uh, well, I was thinking that it was because Max wanted to see if he found there was a, a new specimen that he really wanted. He has to be able oh. to see them. That was my thinking to it, which may be completely inaccurate. I'll take but I thought, it. yeah, if he wants, if he sees something really strange and new, he has to be able to be an eyesight of creatures. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll right? go along with that. That makes way more sense to me. <laughs> that could be the reason. Um. Uh, eventually, they stop at Al's Gator City as they, um, and this is also actually they 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 run into uh, a group of kids as well, like riding in their car, listening to some like Devo garbage music that made made me want to like turn the volume down. But um, they eventually get to see some some dorks or whatever, uh, you know, riding their car, asking for directions, and of course they scare the crap out of him because he's in a UFO. Um, but they eventually stop off at, uh, big Al's Gator city, uh, number one attraction in Florida for 1986, uh, because they not only had a great vending machine, but also they had, uh, you know, the UFO playground that kids could just run into. And, uh, you know, parents just, you know, that was the right. This is like what you're talking about, George. Like back in the day, it's like, Oh yeah, of course it's a playground. Kids just go in the playground. Just don't break anything. Yeah. Yeah. Just go off and play. Give us a little peace of mind. Go how play in traffic did, and leave me alone. Yeah. Hey, how much did that thing cost to put put together, Al? It's like, of course, Al's like locked in stare at this UFO that had just landed and magically <laughs> pressed down on the the air pressure thing to set off the bell. Um, but David is calling home because he needs to tell um, his brother Jeff, like you know, Jeff, like I don't know where the house is, so I need some sort of signal. So um, just say, I don't know, I'll, I'll figure it out because at this point, the <laughs> NASA security is also at their house, so he can, can't stay on the phone very long. So he's like, oh, I'm going to figure it out. And then eventually he finds the like full like World War Three <laughs> arsenal of fireworks that are in his bedroom ready for launch. And because again, like, I don't know what Thank fireworks... the Lord that they didn't get mildewed. <laughs> and no, that's what I'm saying. It's like, don't those like go... Like bad, like dynamite. If Can't there's they any start moisture, sweating? they do. I know too much about explosives, but yeah, they they they're not good for moisture. So mm-hmm. if there was dampness, if there was too much humidity, if there was water damage to the home, these would not have been able to. Lo- but if they're kept exceptionally dry, and that's why they're like storehouse uh, explosives are like storehoused in special places wow. and cased in special ways. So they have to be really, really. You know, dry. But let's pretend that they took good care of them, and that we weren't in like a nice, humid climate like Florida. Um, <laughs> right, so, <laughs> right, right. True, very true. So, so, anyways, he 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 grabs those fireworks, and then he, uh, you know, makes his way to the the top of the roof and gets ready to to show David a sign because they're in Florida. They just need to know like what part of of Florida, or they're in Fort Lauderdale or whatever, and they just need to find what where the house is in Fort Lauderdale. So, you know, he so starts, the, the 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 dress yeah. would have been too much work. You know, again, I don't like. I think it was just a GPS thing. Like they didn't have. Maybe that would have been too tough for him to figure it out without directions. Like he's like, do you know where the something something bridge is? Like I don't know where that is. Like all right, don't worry about it. I got to get off the phone. Like I need to, I need to make use of these fireworks as a callback to something earlier in the movie. So right, right, which is cute, but just yeah. The f- fireworks. I mean, it's Fourth of July. There's fireworks, and fireworks come into play again at the end. So um, he 
goes up to the roof. He starts lighting off these fireworks. They're like not working. We're getting like the the tents, like Alan Sylvester. Like, yes, like, yes. like, oh my god! It's like he's going to be able to find it because uh, no, these fireworks aren't going up because you know they're eight years old and they shouldn't be in the house. So <laughs> he, he eventually like gets a couple to to fire off, and it's like like the calm, like epic music starts playing. It's like, oh yeah, like I see it, and he, they they fly over to the house, and you know, of course the house is surrounded because the scientists at NASA were able to figure out like, yeah, he's on his way home. Like they could see from the radar, he's clearly going back to his house. So they all go there. There's fire departments, there's police, there's NASA security, like it's surrounded. And like, there's basically guns pointed at this kid in the UFO. And then he has to make a decision, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Do you you risk it? Yeah. Which is such a difficult decision, especially like this is his family He's been through all of this trauma. What would have you done? You're there. I uh, honestly, I, I don't know because it, you run into that. It is that horrible. It's that horrible thing because now you're starting to build a connection with these people. You're building yeah. a connection with this this brother that you now have a role reversal on. Like he's the older, bigger, more responsible brother. Like that you're getting advice from these parents that have missed you for years that finally you're back and like, you're able to, you know, be, you know, be with these, these people that have missed you for, for so long, but you also need to take in. And this is why this is such an interesting story for me because like, then you have to like come into play in terms of your, your thought process. Like, all right, what happens to this timeline once I'm gone? Does it erase? Is it just like a parallel world where, you know, I never return or like they continue they to go continue on. They continue on without me. But they lose me again. Yeah. And I love the scene with him and his brother when his brother apologized for all of the things that he did. <laughs> and I like, it was just so sweet. I was like, oh, so sweet. So heartfelt um, a moment. And then you have to leave this family. And who knows if you get to return. Mm-hmm. But I love the, the thought of that. There was that cost to it. You know, it it's, was that it's super emotional. It yeah, it wasn't my like these are no longer the people that I knew anymore. My life got to be stopped and I would love to be able to go back to that point so I could continue on. And that that's that was my and this may be why this movie has stuck with me for so long, because it goes back to those dreams that I had growing up yeah. of like, you know, I'm basically leaving this future version of my family or my dad or whatever. And I have to say goodbye to him. And it's super emotional because it's like you're saying goodbye to your parents yeah Um, and but the thing is is that what he might if he stayed in this timeline there was also the fear that maybe the government would never let him go right maybe the information that he holds would be too important or a threat to national security or something else and he might be away from his family anyways and institutionalized and stuck there and then what kind of a life would that be either because he can now see from seeing how many people are there, how strong a threat that is, mm-hmm. that this isn't just, oh, okay, well, you know, we're going to keep you for a week instead of two days. This seemed like this is something, it's a really big deal now. Yeah, the you have to, Which, you have to weigh that out with the risk of time travel because it could kill him. Yeah, and that, but that messes with Matt, right? Max wants to be able to return everything to the same point in which he took them so that there isn't any mm-hmm. damage. And that also weighs that, well, wait a second, now we have not done this. And it's 
and again, I'm like, I will, I will cry at the sappiest movies today. Like if there's, if there's like an emotional moment, like with the music and if the acting is good enough, it will hit me every single time. And yeah. you, you mentioned he makes that, that decision to, to, to go home. And then you have to have that. He has that conversation with Max, like Max, like I need to do this. And Max doesn't want to do it because he doesn't want to risk David's safety. And right they also know like, this is it. Like once we go back in time, like this is a goodbye. Like we won't see yes. each other again. Yes. Yes. And, like, exactly. and, and David's tearing up and I'm like, man, I can't, t- I know I've, I've seen this movie like a dozen times, but still like, yeah, it's like saying goodbye to a friend that's been looking out for you and like wants the best for you. And then you have to yes. say goodbye and you might never see him again. Right. And such a cool relationship that they had with each other as well. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's, I'm sure some people are listening and be like, well, that's stupid. It's a computer. What are you talking about? No, um, but we don't. <laughs> we anthropomorphize everything. My stuffed animals yeah. were real to me. Yeah, I yeah. felt bad if I took one stuffed animal down to watch TV to me and not the others. So I ended up carrying 100 stuffed animals downstairs with my parents' mm-hmm. chagrin. But no, they're, it's real. And so this is actually a computer that's sentient and has thoughts. Of course we would feel that way. Look at how people feel about their cell phones that have very minor personalities, if anything. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So you can fully get that he they they have a real caring relationship with each other. So eventually they they make the decision and uh it actually has a really cool time travel, you know, scene that is a really good visual representation of like ripping through space time with a with a st- like a thunderstorm as you're like kind of ripping through the fabric of of time and then we're back in the woods. We, we wake, wake back up in the woods and, uh, he kind of knows what's up. He ends up going, uh, back to the house and everyone's getting on the boat ready for the 4th of July fireworks. Like nothing happened. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a, which is a good moment because you also like you, like it's that thing in a lot of movies where he realized what could potentially be lost. And he's like, you know, mom, I love you. And like, even, even Jeff, like my stupid little brother, like even I, I love you too. And, um, <laughs> we at least get that. And this is something that I think is super important for these movies to do. We get a reconfirmation. He didn't just like dream this up because then pops out of his backpack, that little guy. So he knows like, yeah, this actually, this actually really happened. I didn't just dream it up. I was so, okay. So I love that moment. I loved how he was so excited, but I was thrilled when he got his little creature guy. Again, mm-hmm. my childhood always wanting a little creature guy to carry with me. That would have been everything for me. <laughs> you know, besides having this really cool ship, which the design on the ship is stunningly beautiful. I think they We didn't talk about that enough. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, so, 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 so cool really really modern looking it looks like something that would come out of it i love the the metal kind of look to it it was gorgeous but that that little creature that popped up at the end i was like yay that was everything for me i was so i was like they wrapped up every little piece for me and i was like that was the the little cherry on the top of the sunday absolutely it's a it's a great feel good feel good ending and uh yeah i I do recommend like if you go and check out the the designs for for the ship and like how it transforms into like turbo mode and stuff like that uh, was really, really fascinating. But um, yeah, just a, a really great ending. And this is, this is coming off of, uh, excuse me, like it's, it's coming off of, uh, you know, just a, a great story that was told. And again, to see like this movie still, I believe 
holds up quite well. Even the visual effects are really good for a movie that cost $9 million. Yes. Like, almost it, nothing. I don't almost know. Almost nothing. It was nothing. I don't know how they did such the computer effects to the ship and the lighting to it was great. And you, you're right. The way that they traveled through space mm-hmm. looked amazing. Yeah. Everything did. Everything. And it, nothing. Was a lot, it was a really long time ago. Yeah. But it was very clean. Absolutely. Uh, total, I mean, 30 years ago. Like this, this movie yeah. is 30 years old this year. So. Yeah, and on a really small budget. Yeah, it's almost yeah, just over thirty years, thirty years old. Um, but yeah, so it was it was actually really well critically received. It has like an eighty one on on Rotten Tomatoes today. And um, in May of two thousand and nine, the Hollywood Reporter reported that Disney was writing a remake of the film uh, with Brad Copeland uh, writing the script, uh, and he was actually partnering with uh, uh, Todd Lieberman uh, and David Hopperman, who would work as producers and then in 2012 disney hired uh safety uh, not guarantees director colin uh trevorrow who also did the most recent jurassic park and i believe he just did he also just did the most is it then it's the next star wars he's doing star wars episode eight right mm. i think um I'm looking it up real quick. He's also, yeah, no, he's doing Star Wars episode nine. So he's doing the Star Wars after the next Star Wars. Right, seven, wait, four, yeah. five, six, huh. yeah, seven, eight, nine. Okay. Um, so he, uh, that basically has gone silent because I don't know if you remember, but um, that Johnny Depp movie, what the heck was it called? Like that Western movie that bombed. Um, I forget what it's called, but that basically like put all the live action Disney stuff on the shelf outside of it's not Star the Lone Wars. Ranger one. Yeah, it bombed. Okay, um, okay. Yeah. So, so that that killed us. That screwed us from not getting the next Tron movie. Which Johnny Depp, that's your fault, dude. You should fund Tron three, Tron Legacy two, because that movie is awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that that's kind of it. Like, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to get uh, a remake anytime soon. But I don't think it necessarily needs one because you can still go back and it, like we said a couple times, it looks really good. The story holds up and the acting holds up and it's still and a story you can watch today. They won't know Pee Wee Herman. So it's not going to be that. That was the only disjoint I would say from the movie that yeah. kind of pulled me out from it, but they wouldn't know that. I don't know if the pacing, unfortunately kids are used to now a faster yeah. paced movie. So a lot of times when I show my kids some movies that I'm like, this is a great movie and and I'm like, oh, and I could tell that the pace is just off. We showed, like what, I showed what? Ghostbusters yeah. and it was like, really? and I'm like, I'm like, hmm, this is actually not as good of a movie as I remember it as. Oh, and bummer. it's just because the pacing is off in comparison to what we're used to now. And um, it, a slower pace is just harder for kids these days to take to because they're used to a lot more packed into a smaller period of time. So that would be the only thing that I'm not sure if it would carry over. I bet they're big fans of the Fast and Furious franchise. My kids, they're too yeah. little. <laughs> You're never too little or too old to see Dominic Toretto do a quick quarter mile. I don't know. Sorry. Um, anyways, I think that's... Uh, I don't know if they would care. I don't know if they like fast. I don't think my kids are into cars really. Or just show them Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift is a blast. I mean, it's it's yeah. uh, Tokyo is always fun to look I'll at. Look at I'll look at the rating. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not got. Doesn't have good reviews, um, but it's it's a it's a nice soft PG thirteen, which uh, I think someone dies on the car at the end. That's about it. Sorry. Um, so that <laughs> is Flight of the Navigator again, available on DVD, Blu ray, internationally, or your favorite video streaming services like Amazon Instant and the iTunes Movie Marketplace, and. Um, George, how do you feel? Do you think this is is this something that you would still recommend someone watch today in 2016? It would depend on their age. I think that this is would hmm. be to someone these days that that would be younger to it. I don't know if adults that had just started to to watch this now would get the same feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be something that I would re- recommend as like a family film to be able to watch. I don't think that it would be something that I would recommend to someone to watch. Um, that is not too nostalgia to be able to go through to what the movie would be to. Because, again, I, like the Pee Wee Herman thing really drew, threw me. And I would yeah. assume that most people that have, you know, been of the age that they would have seen Pee Wee Herman would feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. I'm I'm still I'm still I I, I would put it in a, a recommend for, for adults. I think adults would definitely appreciate this. But like you said, I think maybe you're right. Kids might... Maybe they do need a remake. Remakes aren't the worst thing in the world uh, at all. Um, all right. Well, they can be. They can be. <laughs> well, they don't have to be, but they can be. They don't have to be, but I don't know if you and I have talked. They about They should this, remake but- bad movies. They shouldn't remake really great, iconic, perfect movies. They should remake movies that are bad and deserve a remake. That's my thought on it. Well, what if? Here's my two cents. You can still go watch that old movie. That's true. That uh, is only, a very good point. The only thing I just don't like in these discussions of like the internet hating everything is saying, it's ruining my memories of the old movie. No, you guys, yes, yes. It's, it's available. You still have the old movie. You, you still have it. You can pop that in and you can watch it right now. Like you don't need to go. Don't. Don't do that to yourself. If it's going to cause that much pain, don't go see the new Ghostbusters. Just go watch your old VHS tape over and over and over again. And listen to some Bobby Brown. It's going to be good. Right. We're going to be fine. That's true. That's true. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Unless they have to do something like the Spider-Man franchise where it's another movie and it just dilutes the the field (laughs) because I don't want to see another Spider-Man movie. Stop. Stop making one every year. I bet you like the next one. I bet you like the next one. With With the guy from Captain America, Winter Soldier, not Winter Soldier, uh, Civil War. Yeah, and they cast a, a new like, woman like as Mary that, Jane. Again, yes, I like I like that, but sometimes there's just too much of it. I'm I'm just done. I'm not. I'm 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 gonna wait to see the reviews. If the movie's great to be a movie, awesome. Totally, but you have to make a good movie. Again, I think the the last point is you know it's it's just it's not our money. You know, if people want to spend their money that making remakes, true. go for that it. That is true. That is true. I think it's selfishness. They just don't they don't want to make a good movie. They just want to keep the rights. So they don't mind making a bad movie. Oh no, I, that's for sure. The, the um, honor to that bothers me. I just don't think it's an honorable way to treat a character that people love. But think about what they were able to do with Judge Dread to Dread. Oh my God! Add that to your list, Dread. Um, okay, okay, I'm going to add that to my list to it. Or Battlestar Galactica the remake was bad. Uh, Totally. Oh man, yeah. Except for that last season, it was great. Um, the last episode, they should have cut it. I oh, had a, I had a great ending for that movie. We'll watch <laughs> for that show. I had the ending that was the perfect ending. They totally wrecked it. 
anyways. <laughs> well, let's see if we can get on Kickstarter and we can launch the real ending to Battlestar Galactica, written and directed and produced by Georgia Dow, um, and available in VR. Um, so. Right. Uh, I think that's where we will end this 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 project today, and we will remind people that uh, not only will Georgia Dow be found on other shows on the Fitcast network, like the Fitcast and then Life Fuel, you will also find her on things like the iTunes podcast page. Like, what should I say here, Georgia? Like, I feel like the <laughs> on you're going to find her on Twitter um, on. Uh, on the the nightly tech show on on Twit, I see you on there a bunch with uh, the wonderful Megan Maroney. She's always oh, awesome yeah, she's on that. Brilliant. She's um, brilliant. She's brilliant. I have the iMore show and Disruption, uh, where we talk about culture and video games. Yes. And I'll be uh, talking at a fireside conference in Walden, Ontario, on September 9th, tenth, and eleventh. Are you guys at that, PAX? I'll be... I'm not going to be at PAX this year. Oh, no, okay. I'm not going to be at PAX. And we're almost always at PAX, but we're not going to be at PAX, I don't think, this year. Okie dokie. Um, well, yeah, I, I would just type, go to go to iTunes podcast search and, and type in Georgia Dow and you'll get to find uh, – unless there's – is there another Georgia Dow too? Do I remember you there talking about this Twitter, once? There is on Twitter and okay. there are a couple – there's another therapist Georgia that's Dow what it was. on okay. Twitter. <laughs> and uh, there's someone else that's just squatting my name. Not really squatting. They just have not used it for, I don't know, four years or something like that on Twitter. So it's like Georgia underscore Doe. Yeah. And don't forget anxiety-videos.com. You guys had a new run of uh, production that went up yeah, for that. Yeah, we did. I'm so excited. We did Boundaries and Consequences and we did Depression, which was probably way too long in coming to be able to release that one. So we're really happy. We just got the tapes back edited and we're going to, I'm going to be looking at them on Tuesday. So awesome. probably when this is out, they'll probably be out as well. Fantastic. Go to anxiety videos, uh, com, And if you just want to, to get a kit, uh, get a taste, there's also, um, some free downloads up there as well, including a PDF. So you can check out some great information on there. So uh, that is going to do it for this. And I would appreciate if you listen to this, just I would appreciate any kind of feedback, good, bad, you know, neutral, yeah. um, whatever you think of kind of the, the format or just kind of doing this once a month to change things up. And again, selfishly, it's for for me, I kind of need to continue to do uh, new and challenging things. So I like mixing it up uh, a little bit on all the shows, including this one, or if you have a like a movie that you think you know that should definitely be That's on this show. That's a good one. Yeah, a movie that should definitely be reviewed. Like, uh, like what? What would be uh, like City Slickers two? No, not City <laughs> Slickers two. Let's not put that on the list, and let's not start those emails. But now everyone's gonna do it. Now you're gonna have to do that. Don't do it. I don't need to you're know. Find the worst movie possible. I don't know. I don't need to know the secret of Curly's gold. He can keep that secret. No, not something I need to know. Um, but the the, the Spoilers, thing yeah. the thing that I do want is <laughs> is any kind of feedback to uh, Kevin at backofmyplay.com, Kevin at fitcast.network, or at Kevin Larby on Twitter. Or if you're a Patreon, you can just contact me right through there as well. But I do appreciate if you do it through email or Twitter. It's a little bit uh, tough to go through the Patreon stuff uh, sometimes. So I appreciate all the feedback that you have. And I appreciate your time for, for tuning in and listening to this this new show this week and go check out George's other stuff. And until next time, uh, we're going to uh, just finish up, maybe top off that free refill one more time as we leave the theater and go back home and get back to games. We'll see you next time.